For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good evening, Blue Jays fans. Brendan Panikar here in the host seat this week with Craig Borden from Rochester, New York. How are you, sir? Doing good, man. Rainy as hell here today and cold, but that's just kind of what it is like up here in the north, right? <laughs> that's right. Exact same thing here, buddy. Gray skies. A little bit of sun is starting to come out now. I can see it off the reflection of some buildings across from my condo, but uh, it isn't uh, It isn't very pretty outside. But Either way, right. I am mentally projecting myself to spring training already because um, as long as the Yankees go down, but I'm not excited about the Houston Astros, but whatever, we'll get into that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But before we dive into baseball, I mean, there hasn't been much in the way of of Toronto Blue Jays news. So, fans, if you're listening to this show, probably expect a little bit of a shorter one compared to what you're used to. There simply is just not a whole lot to talk about. So I want to bring up, before we get into baseball things, if you add the combined record of the Buffalo Bills and the San Francisco 49ers, you have a 9-1 football team. It has been a dream start for us, hasn't it, buddy? Oh, it couldn't be any better, man. I'm looking forward to hopefully another win that we can coast through this weekend, but we'll see how that works out. <laughs> Been all good stuff on the football front thus far. But there is one major talking point when it comes to the Toronto Blue Jays lately. Been kind of quietly surfacing to the top in that, Craig, is the contract of Blue Jays president and CEO Mark Shapiro. Shapiro, as you know, joined the Blue Jays in 2015 and took over for Paul Beeson, whose contract ended at the end of the 2015 season, and he decided to retire. I believe that's what he decided to do, is retire. Shapiro took the job. We all know about the whole thing with Alex Anthopoulos. So the first real season of the Mark Shapiro era began in 2016. But, Craig, there's been a lot of talking points on Twitter lately, especially from that one guy I teased last week at YYZ Sports Media, this guy named Jonah on Twitter. No idea who the hell he is. He just is super well-connected to all the changes that are ever made, more so on the radio side of things, at Sportsnet 590 Fan. He's called every single new hire, including Scott MacArthur's transfer from TSN to the Blue Jays and Sportsnet when he hosted Blue Jays Talk. He's also now reporting that Andy McNamara is going to be making the same switch from TSN to Sportsnet. He's called all the programming changes before they've ever gone public. This guy is legit. And Craig, as we teased last week, he's not so sure that Mark Shapiro will be around here when his contract is done at the end of the season. He's hearing whispers that he either may not be totally enamored with the job, it wasn't what he thought it was, and he's gunning for something higher at the MLB front offices, or Rogers is unsatisfied with the job that Shapiro and Ross Atkins and company have done since he's taken over in 2016. Craig, flat and simple. What do you think about this? Is this just fluff? Do you think there's something to it? Should we put some stock into this, considering this guy Jonah's track record with changes at Rogers? What do you make of all this? I'm going to put this in the ballpark that it's one thing to predict radio personality changes. 
it's another to predict front office moves for the Toronto Blue Jays. So I'm taking this with a grain of salt. But the fact that there is not a contract in place and he's got one year left on the books, man, it just seems like there might be something on the tipping edge there. Or maybe it's just as simple that they haven't come into full agreement on what his actual role slash job actually will include going into the future. Maybe that's where it's at right now, Brennan. But at the point, it just seems odd that we're in this quote-unquote push level. And if we are pushing our chips into the table, you would think that the president is going to be signed on for the push of actual money coming through this team. It's interesting to think of the job that Matt Shapiro has done since it's gotten here quick because he is not in a lot of circles. This is probably more so general Blue Jays fans. They may not be as big into baseball as yourself, myself, some of the other friends that we typically interact with and have on as guests on our podcast. So people aren't the biggest fans of Mark Shapiro and the job he's done so far, but Craig, Going back to 2016, this team made the playoffs. So, naturally, you're going to try again in 2017. It was probably a little bit more of a half kind of go for it. And then they finally had a bad season. They stripped it all down in 2018, traded assets at the deadline of 2018, traded more assets at the deadline of 2019. How do you evaluate the job Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins have done since they've come here in 2016? Well, other than the fact that people hate him for his role in Moneyball... <laughs> I think we gotta <laughs> gotta take it as it is, but I the biggest problem I think a lot of this is, and you and I, Brennan, have been Blue Jays fans for a really long time, and I'm not trying to lump millennials and old Blue Jays fans into a bad pot or anything, but you and I were pleasantly surprised by 2015, 2016, where everybody else took that as the new normal. Right, we're gonna be the Yankees. This is how baseball will be in Toronto. The fact that <laughs> it doesn't surprise me that we're back to being a below 500 level baseball team and we're creeping our way back up hopefully but this team in all of baseball history we are literally like a full-on 500 level baseball team (laughs) we're not the new york yankees (laughs) we're not the boston red sox but we have found ways to be very successful at times right now we're pushing on one of those edges where we're going to be hopefully running away with some things here especially on offense if we can figure out a few things but riding that high of the 2015-2016 bat flipping and edwinging, uh, you can see why the you know, the most fans see this as a deterrent. Why would you bring this guy back that ruined a playoff team is how a lot of people see it in his eyes. But the fact that he is also, with Ross Atkins, been building up a monster, a dormant sleeping monster in the minor league system, and we're just starting to see the tip of that iceberg showing, it's going to get exciting, and I think you got to take credit for more or less what was a depleted minor league system is how everybody else saw it in Major League Baseball. Some others might not have, <laughs> me. <laughs> but um, the fact that this was coming, I think it, 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 we weren't going to be able to sustain a playoff team with the average age of our, um, you know, our roster was way above the Major League average. It doesn't sustain productivity when you got guys in their th- in their high 30s and hoping to get the best baseball out of them. I think the biggest sentiment across fans that we have on our show, whether it's Hayden Godfrey, Jason Lee, Adam Corsair, or any of these guys that we interact with on Twitter, and girls, um, every single fan that we interact with uh, on Twitter and talk about the Blue Jays, they seem to understand that. They seem to understand 
that the 2015 and 2016 teams were not sustainable winners because you had Jose Bautista in his mid-30s. Edwin Encarnacion was in his mid-30s. Troy Tulowitzki could not stay healthy. He had a history of those problems in Colorado, which is probably why he's not going to make the Hall of Fame, even though Tulo is definitely a Hall of Fame talent at shortstop and has posted some fantastic seasons. You go around the diamond some more. Josh Donaldson, he got injured in 2017 and 2018 after a fantastic season in 2015 and 2016. But even he... Comeback comeback of the year level player right there again right now. We are. Fluke outlier, right? (laughs) Exactly. And he was actually able to stay healthy this year. That was a big thing that people are forgetting. People look around the entire picture of that 2015 and 2016 Blue Jays, people wanted to keep that wave going. I'm not surprised. I wanted it to keep going into 2017, 2018, 2019 as well, but when you don't have a farm system that is stacked to replace those older guys like Bautista, like Tulo, like Josh Donaldson, and Edwin Encarnacion, you're not going to be able to build a sustained winner. Craig, what would you tell the average fan if you were to give a report card on the job Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins have done? taking over this front office in 2016. What would you say has been the biggest improvement to the overall state of the Toronto Blue Jays organization from Major League down to the low-level minors? What would you tell an average fan to make them buy into this regime a little bit more? Get used to new names, I think, is the best thing you can <laughs> can get used to. The fact that we're going to have... I, this year was epic as far as rookie-level talent coming into the Toronto Blue Jays with, with Biggio, Vlad, and Bichette. That doesn't happen very often. Now, put this into perspective, Brendan. We can have at least one level of those prospects every year for the next five years, and it would not shock me. And we probably even have a couple more hits than that in the coming years because you got to think that next year we have Nate Pearson, maybe the Logan Warmiths of the world to look forward to, you know, things like that. That's two really good prospects right there that have been doing nothing but rake in the Meyer Leagues, and it just continues right down the levels throughout the Toronto Blue Jays. This regime has done nothing but just completely bolster the Meyer League system and the fact that they have that ridiculous pipeline of talent. Like I said, it is an iceberg. You see the talent starting to form right now at the top of the peak right now just above the water but there is a giant fucking mammoth of a mountain sitting just below the water line there really is and i honestly just pulled up the draft histories of this front office since they got here let me redo off a few of these picks that this team has made pj zoik was the first round pick in 2016 he was the first ever pick that ross atkins had made as general manager we saw him debut at the major league level J.B. Woodman was in round number two that year and was used as a trade chip to get a current piece on this roster, who I believe turned into Randall Gritchick. I can't remember if it was that trade, but anyways, J.B. Woodman was I think he was, was one of the ones wide. that went for Gritchick. The other catch was on that, too, is if you really wanted to get technical with that trade, it was either him or Elasmus Diaz, who was also turned around and flipped for our uh, Trent Thornton. So, That's who it was, yes. You got it. It Either was way, not for both those guys there. became pieces for rookies. Exactly. So Trent Thornton was on the roster this full season. The second pick in the second round was Bo Bichette. And you saw the excitement that everybody had about Bo Bichette as he came through. Let's keep keep on going down here, Craig. Kevin Biggio in the fifth round. Kirby Sneed in the tenth round. Josh Winkowski 
in the 15th round. You see a theme here from 2016? These are guys we're starting to talk about and get excited about, isn't it? Not the fact that every one of those guys, I think, is a sure thing hit right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's looking pretty close. (laughs) Even down to Josh Winkowski being the, what I'll say, the low man on that totem pole, just had a career year in the Blue Jays' minor league system. It's probably one of the best surprises of this minor league season, which we'll get to when we do our minor league reviews, but a name that Blue Jays fans really need to get used to. But the fact that, that, like you said, that's class number one. (laughs) There's more. (laughs) It keeps going. Every year equally good. And the fact that they were able to piece that kind of thing together, and we have that. I honestly think, Brendan, at some point it's going to get to the point where they're going to be like, what the hell do we do with all this? And they're going to end up trading for some really, really good talent. That, you know, if you can piece a couple of those guys together on a trade, you're getting somebody like Mookie Betts. Oh, sorry, did I say that out loud? <laughs> I don't think that's the best move for the Blue Jays with with a possible pending contract, but the fact that you could get a talent like that in a trade for a couple of these pieces is really, really cool to know that we might have that kind of thing coming. Uh, it's too bad that Garrett Cole wasn't still on Pittsburgh with a year left on his deal because they would have been primed to trade for Garrett Cole, wouldn't they? <laughs> it's all oh, talent God, the fact that he's got like 20 <laughs> straight starts with a no loss or something like that they were saying during oh, yesterday's broadcast. Crazy. I couldn't believe that fact. Just insane Garrett level Cole. production. Garrett Cole's on some other level right now, my friend, and we'll get into that in a little bit as the show goes along. Yep. Talk about the MLB playoffs. As we move, Craig, to 2017, here's a few names that instantly jump out at you, and there's actually a little bit larger of a list than there was in 2016. First round, Logan Warmus and Nate Pearson. Nate Pearson throws 103 and 102 with pretty good consistency. He can get up there in velocity, and you know how excited this fan base is to see Nate Pearson. <laughs> and not to mention dropping hit. an 80-mile-an-hour hook on somebody. <laughs> it, it, Nate Pearson is like looking like toss. he could on days be unhittable. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. The fact that we're going to have Nate Pearson up here probably at some point in 2020 speaks mm-hmm. volumes. Now, and to go down Logan Warmoth, no slouch either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He turned around his season as it went along down in uh, in Double A as well. Once he got there, so he is starting to put himself back on the map a little bit. We go down. Hagen Danner at catcher and Riley Adams at catcher in the second and third rounds. Fourth round, Kevin Smith. Fifth round, Colin Large, who really broke out of the scene this year in the lower minors. Yeah, living large. Continue to continue to go down. You have other guys: Zach Lowe, Casey Clemens. Let's see, Ryan Noda, tight tights. You continue to go down way into the bottom of this draft. Graham Spraker, who we've discussed on previous shows, Maverick Boffo. Uh, and, yeah, that's it. Those are the notable names from the 2017 draft class. All a product of Mark Shapiro gathering all this front office talent and talent evaluators and Ross Atkins, and them ultimately making decisions on those guys. Pretty good 2016 and 2017 draft so far, isn't it? I'm going to go A-plus on all those with how we've seen the certain of those guys break out. Kirby Snead is going to be in the bullpen, I think, as early as this coming spring. <laughs> so there's plenty of guys that are right on that cusp right now, Brennan. And this is the difference between 2017 and now. We had nobody ready to take that next step. So how do you sustain a major league team without just pilfering the bargain bin, which is what they were forced to do, because you didn't want to trade any of these assets because you didn't know 
how they were going to work out. And you didn't want to bleed that out and become the Seattle Mariners or a couple of other teams that have been doing that same thing over and over again. We think we have a winner. How do we keep it going? Keep throwing players at it and hoping to get good stuff in trades. Does not work. You need to pump the brakes, and that's where we're at. Baseball isn't like hockey or football or basketball, where you have guys that you draft in the high rounds that instantly can make your team better. An example, Nick Bosa of the San Francisco 49ers has made that defense instantly better. That's not a thing in baseball. You have to draft consistently year in and year out, and we're seeing a theme as you go through those names in 2016 and 2017 with two more years of drafts to go through and highlight some of those picks that they've made. They are turning this farm system into a sustainable winner with waves after waves upon waves of talent. It's what they did in Cleveland, and Cleveland has had a successful last four to five, six years. And a large part of that, even though it was built by Chris Antonetti, he put the final pieces on that, Mark Shapiro laid the groundwork for the Cleveland Indians to have their success in a very limited uh, budget constraints with the financial issues that the Cleveland Indians have. Are you ready for 2018 and 2019, Craig? Oh, of course. It's only going to get better. (laughs) (laughs) It is only going to get better because there's even more names on here. In 2018, first-round pick Jordan Groshan, and he's put himself on the map already by Baseball America as a guy who could be a super prospect at some point. We just had one arrive at the big league level in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Unfortunately, Jordan Groshan dealt with a major injury this year, and the season was cut short. But, man, was he ever raking the ball down in Lansing. Yeah, and before that, he was doing very, very good um, with the Gulf Coast League Blue Jays and the Bluefield Blue Jays in a playoff run the year before. So Insane. Yep. The fact that they have another guy coming through the system that can play in the infield, and probably Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is just warming the seat for when Jordan Groshans gets here. So just imagine adding another super talent in the middle of the infield. Which is hilarious because Vlad is still, in my opinion, no slouch on defense, and we all know he can hit. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of shape Vlad Jr. shows up in in the offseason because he has said he's going to be dedicated to the gym this entire offseason. I bet he shows up and puts himself in much better position to handle the Imagine if he shows up next season in the best shape of his life. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that always a story, Craig, at spring training? Troy Tulowitzki showed up to spring training feeling the best he's ever felt. Jay Goes Pat down Farm, to turf toe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Turf toe, past strain, soft tissue issues. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> We've so, had a lot of those stories. <laughs> exactly. Sprinkler. Oh, shoot. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Michael. Sanders. Hopefully in the new training center, that won't be a problem. I hope they have no sprinklers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You continue to go down, Craig, in 2018. Here's a few more names for you. I'll rattle off. Griffin Tonine, Adam Kloffenstein, Joey Murray, Cal Stevenson, who has ended up using for the Derek Fisher trade this season. We can get into that entirely <laughs> as our offseason goes along. There's a lot to unpack with that trade, I think. Those are the main names from the 2018 draft. And as you move to 2019 and go through, it's pretty impressive as well. Alec Manoa, Kendall Williams, Desan Brown, who is Canadian, by the way. Ooh. And as you continue to go down, there are other names in there. Who, in your mind, Craig, out of all of those picks that we just covered, maybe outside of Nate Pearson, because he's pretty consensus to be one of the best picks the Blue Jays have made in probably the last 10 to 15 years in the draft, who else has really stood out to you from those list of players that we listed? Oh, watching Griffin Conine play on minor league baseball TV this year has been 
just insane. The guy put up full season numbers in a half a season because of his um, quote-unquote PED suspension to begin the season. He still shocks. I'm going to take that with a grain of salt because this kid just can absolutely mash. And not to mention, I just want to see a fifth guy in the quote-unquote blue jeans <laughs> category <laughs> with Vlad, Vigio, Bichette, and Guriel. It's just insane. And I don't see, like, Casey Clemens jumping into that pond anytime soon and some of those others. But um, the fact that Griffin Conine just can absolutely mash the ball. That is an out, a corner outfielder slash first baseman we have that is going to just be an absolute force behind the, you know, aforementioned other group. <laughs> so we've listed off the drafts of this regime in the four years that they've been able to draft. We have, on previous episodes, especially right around the trade deadline, highlight the trades that this front office has made. There's still a few trades that the jury's still out on. Josh Donaldson comes to mind. The Jay Happ trade comes to mind. But I think people are finally wrapping their heads around the Marcus Stroman trade. We talked about that last week, and we talked about that three weeks ago with Bobby Kay on our episode, which was obviously a ton of fun. I think we're going to always reference that Bobby Kay episode <laughs> until we get him back on again. <laughs> so he becomes a spot. <laughs> exactly. Always. But we won't dissect the trades. We've done that before. We can get into that as the offseason goes along and some trades are starting to be made. And I would say that they have won more trades than they have lost at this point. So there's two main aspects of growing a sustainable winner. You add some of those pieces you got via trade, combine it with the draft, and you have a pretty damn good farm system in the major leagues of baseball. So here's my question to you. What is it going to take for people to finally buy in and believe in what Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins are building here in Toronto besides winning baseball? Because it seems inevitable that's going to come in a year or two. I think the only way that anybody is going to jump on this bus for, oh my God, he's the best thing ever, is the fact that it's similar to how people liked Alex Anthopoulos, but they loved Alex Anthopoulos after he brought Major League crazy talent to this team. And yes, I'm going to say 2015 Tulo, 2015 David Price, and etc. right? <laughs> and is the fact that he brought us Josh Donaldson for some minor league throw-ins in a trade. This regime has yet to make that big splash, and I don't think they really needed to up until this point. In summary, the best thing they could do this offseason is summed up, I think, with two names in a need for the Toronto Blue Jays, and that's Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg as free agents right now. That's your big splash. You get somebody like that, everybody will be loving this front office 100%. Spend. Now, is that, rea- <laughs> now is that realistic? That's the only thing I'm worried about. I, would, I think people will start to realize that they are trying to build a winner. If they at least make an offer, a competitive offer, they may end up losing out. I actually think they probably would lose out. I think they uh, lose both those situations, even with a good offer, too. I do too. <laughs> so it's, uh, I do agree. It would require a splash to get people excited to make people be like, whoa, the front office is finally going for it. <laughs> oh, they actually <laughs> give a shit. Look at them go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they actually care after these last three years of torture. And it isn't even that long. Wasn't 20 years of torture long enough and yeah. not making the playoffs? It's only been three years. Come you know, on. I have so many new Angry Bird uniforms and <laughs> oh, <laughs> keep <man>. us happy. <laughs> So, do you think anything stadium-related should get people excited about the job Mark Shapiro is doing? Because that's the other aspect of his job, Craig. 
We talked a lot about the baseball operations side of things, and that's largely been handed off to Ross Atkins. I'm sure Mark Shapiro still has a say at the table when it comes to trades and free agent signing and drafting, but it's all pretty much on Ross Atkins' shoulder right now. So a lot of what we discussed primarily falls on Ross Atkins and his evaluation. has a little bit to do with Mark Shapiro, but he also has the other side of the operations being president and CEO, and that's a ballpark and keeping the Rogers Center as up-to-date as possible. Is there anything that comes to mind that you think would be an enhancement to the Rogers Center that would get people excited about going to Blue Jays games next season? Oh, outside of dollar beers and loonies or, or loony hot dogs? <laughs> 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 uh, I don't know how much, it, maybe it's just me because I do love the Rogers Center for all its little flaws and everything and the fact that it probably does need a decent facelift to really get Major League Baseball to give a crap about that ballpark again. The fact that we still have a turf field, and I feel like there has been no talk about making expanding on what is now a real infield in the Rogers Center to being a real um, field within the ballpark as well. I don't know if that's just fallen completely apart for the fact that they literally can't physically do it, or if this just was one of those things that just went dead quiet after Paul Beeston went. But there was a good... It seemed like a really good push with Beeston at the end there to put real grass in the Rogers Center. And is it just me or did it feel like that talk just went boom, done? <laughs> <laughs> the last I heard is that the University of Guelph, about an hour uh, west of the city, was doing some research into that. I'm not, still if that. I'm not sure if that project is still active or not, but it has fallen pretty quiet ever since Paul Beeston's gone away. Maybe you if would it's think not that that was something that they'd all be happy to pursue because that brings free agents to the ballpark too. It does. So. It definitely does. At least, it, at, least at least having a real infield yeah. instead of the random carpet crap that we had with dirt mixed in. There's <laughs> 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 an improvement. But as far as amenities and things go, I just feel like they're you know as a casual visitor like I am a few times a year. It's got everything a ballpark needs. So if you can expand on that and continue to evolve the fan experience, I just figure that the only thing that you're missing is a winning ball club. Sir, you brought up that transition beautifully. Nice segue. <laughs> Boom, points. <laughs> exactly. There's two more Mark Shapiro-related topics I want to discuss before we get into the MLB playoffs, something we've promised our listeners for a while, discussing that. We already have our first entrant into the World Series uh, since we've got onto that, but... Two more things. I feel that this front office has done a good job of taking fan feedback into consideration, especially from their season's ticket holders. And you know what? You have to do that in terms of building a loyal, sustainable season's ticket base. That They're always going to be there. you got to keep the fans that keep on coming back to the ballpark night after night happy. They have changed the start of Saturday games. They have made more afternoon games during the weekdays for getaways. They've done more different promotions. Aside from just bobbleheads, they have. <laughs> Are you call, talking Randall on me? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did pull Randall. You know what, man? I don't think we would have seen anything like that under Paul so Beeson. <laughs> just in terms of the creativity of the giveaways, the theme nights, the fact that you can now have different ticket packages and buy, like we did for Vladdy Night, buy 200 level outfield tickets and get a drink with your ticket. That is something That's a cool. lot of teams are doing now for a night out. So. Is the fan experience side of things maybe something that they're not doing currently that they could do better, or do you think they've nailed that? To me, it just seems like maybe it's just because I did come up randomly during this season. It seemed like the gift, uh, the promotion stuff was really spaced out. 
maybe it was just me, or they were obviously completely focused on nights where they knew the attendance was going to be shit, to put it lightly. <laughs> so, um, but they did a good job of hyping up the last minute of Vladdy coming up, and this is going to be his debut in Toronto and stuff. Obviously, we were both there, so <laughs> something must have worked with the marketing machine. Um, but just, I honestly, they, they need to be more creative, I think. I think the Randall thing was a weird one, but that's a good example of the fact that they actually wanted to be creative and think of some new ways to get people to the ballpark. It just blanks my mind on the fact that you get all these really, really cool promotions in the minor league levels, and then as soon as you get to the major league level, it's like, no, we're too serious. We can't do that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, have a other outside of Star Wars night, I guess, would be the weird thing that's finally transferred into Major League Baseball. I don't know. <laughs> I agree with you. I, I think they do need to get a little bit more creative with the job they've done, but I've been quite pleasantly surprised. It does seem like they take the feedback of their loyal fans quite uh, quite seriously by whether it is changing the start time of Saturday games. They tried 4 o'clock a season ago. They put it back to 3 o'clock because there was a little bit more of an outcry. Oh, no, let's push it back to 1 o'clock. So they kind of came to a happy medium uh, right. by having it as an afternoon start, just as an example. But They've clearly also they must pulled... be listening. No, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. No, go ahead. So clearly they must be at least listening to the fans down in Florida, though. <laughs> yes. That is point number two, my friend. The <laughs> spring training facility has gone and continues to undergo serious renovations. Do you have that article up in hand? I do. Take it away. So, for the Blue Jay fan that hasn't been paying attention to what was going on, I happened to stumble across a Tampa Bay Times article a couple weeks ago, and not only is the $80 million con- or project going really well, and the ballpark is actually on time for spring training this coming year, the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays management, has all of a sudden just said, you know what, fuck it, $20 more million toward this development development they've had a whole nother level onto the training facility building and have really pulled all the gloves off in this this is going to be a basically a world-class training facility for toronto blue jays players and they're bumping up that fan experience too to that note come on we're having a tiki bar in left field in a spring training facility (laughs) (laughs) so but I just can't believe that, that you know, with the quote-unquote, this regime is not spending any money. This is directly related to Atkins, or uh, Shapiro doing his job as the president of this company, making sure that the Toronto Blue Jays have the best of the best to ensure they're putting the best product on the field. Revamping the spring training facility is definitely well overdue. I'm going to give them a ton of credit for that, as should a lot of fans. It's going to make spring training a destination again. I know just down the road in Clearwater, I've seen one spring training game, and it was in Clearwater between the Phillies and the Twins. And my goodness, could I ever say that that spring training facility is quite impressive that the Phillies have put together. It's a destination for people from Philadelphia and Phillies fans around the United States and Canada, if there are any in Canada. Uh, that, <laughs> not after 93. <laughs> down, exactly, not after 1993. No, never again. <laughs> but for them to go down and watch their team, but also have state-of-the-art facilities for these guys to get ready for the season, have a lot of in-depth tools and analytics to make your game better. It really will give them an edge long-term. They've even admitted they're probably a little bit more behind the times when it comes to implementing new technology. And having a very good spring training workout facility is definitely going to go a long way 
to doing that. Yeah, and plus not losing that nostalgia that they had because being in that ballpark down there, Brendan, it was like a throwback in a baseball time. Now, it's been there since the Blue Jays were founded in 1977, so that was like where they started playing their first games as Toronto Blue Jays was at this ballpark in Dunedin. is the only ballpark down there that is still within a town in the Florida State League. All the other ones are like just out the side, and like you said with the Clearwater one, it's kind of Clearwater for the Phillies complex. It's like outside of it a little bit, so... A little different, the fact that you have that hometown feel to it, and it's right on top of the action. Great fan experience. I recommend it to anybody, even after these renovations. It can only get better. Um, and the fact that you are going to have that world-class training facility. You get, we're talking about guys that get hurt during the season, have a place where they can go and live, Brendan, and just focus on getting better, and they don't have to worry about using old equipment. <laughs> tripping out a sprinkler head or falling off a mound. <laughs> I know I've used that joke twice now, but it's funny. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but the fact that we don't have to worry about these throwback things at the training facility and at the ballpark getting in the way of development of players, and they can have a home as Toronto Blue Jays players, that says a lot. You know, you're not worrying about a guy having to figure everything out. I'll just toss him up to double A just so he can get this. You know, you can have simulated games and all these extra fields they're going to have and really teach these young players how to play baseball. It's going to be interesting to see when it all turns out. I definitely think it's going to be fun to go down to Spain Journey and watch Blue Jays baseball, but also see what kind of fruits the work will bear as the years go along and how they'll be able to use that technology. It's going to be really fascinating, Craig. And I'm excited to see the results of that project. Now... Here's my final Mark Shapiro slash Ross Atkins related question for you. The one thing that I will give this front office criticism for, Craig, is a lack of transparency. Every single interview I've ever seen Ross Atkins give, he can be a little transparent, but the big thing I see on Blue Jays Twitter, and I tend to agree with these people, is that the way Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro conduct their interviews and how much they give to the fans is pretty much nothing. They say a lot of words to not say absolutely anything. If you truly listen to Alex Anthopoulos' interviews in the past, Paul Beeson's interviews in the past, they gave you something of substance, something to look forward to and get excited about. Do you think a little bit more transparency, maybe just trying to convey the message and the goals of the moves that these guys are making without having the more engaged and smart and in-depth Blue Jays fans, know, they know what they're doing, but some of these more casual fans may not necessarily know what they're doing. So would better messaging, better interviews uh, by Ross Shapiro, or oh, Ross Shapiro, <laughs> Mark, Shapiro. <laughs> Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins. <laughs> yeah, would, would that help this front office, do you think? Oh, you mean like the fact that I read about this Dunedin project in the Tampa Bay Times and I hadn't heard anything about it from the Toronto Blue Jays front office? It seems a little weird exactly. when this is going to be the centerpiece of your organization for years to come. A little off, right? <laughs> so, but yes, that transparency is at least the goals. Tip the cards a little so we can see them, you know. Don't hold them so close to the chest and let them let the Blue Jays fans get excited about something. We know that this team has talent. You don't need to tell us that. Are we expecting to at least see you possibly on the free agent market looking at real good players? Or is this literally another year of, oh, my God, look over there. We're not going to do anything. (laughs) (laughs) 
we will cover every single move that this front office makes here in depth on Jaybird Watching Craig. It's going to be interesting. There's a lot of chatter surrounding Marshall Pyro. This actually went on for a lot longer than I thought. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to Marshall Pyro and Ross Atkins and this front office as a whole. Ross Atkins, we discovered the other day, I believe it was Jeff Blair uncovered, that his contract actually takes him to the end of 2021. Mark Shapiros takes him to the end of 2020, which is why contract extension is being talked about. I wonder, though, if these two are far apart because Mark Shapiro maybe wants to stay longer or he wants more money, or maybe there's some truth to what this Jonah guy is saying. Ultimately, Craig, before we move to general MLB playoffs and the Washington Nationals getting to the World Series and the ALCS between the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees, do you think a deal gets done with Shapiro? Is it long-term, or does it simply just match up with when Ross Atkins' deals expires at the end of 2021? I think at a minimum it's got to be that. But I really would not be shocked if this is a three-year deal of some sort. It's enough to say, hey, yep, this is my home for the next few years, and enough to say, okay, if I want to do something else, I have time in my career to do it kind of thing. You know what I mean? I think that's what I agree. goes with it. I agree, yeah. I think at the minimum, they'll line up to be at the end of 2021. Maybe there's some angst on Marshall Pyro's part about doing that because maybe Rodgers will get frustrated if this team hasn't made the playoffs. By the time their contracts are done, it's a very easy walk away for Rodgers, although those are two pretty big roles to fill. So I'm not sure Rodgers wants to leave themselves in that vulnerable of a position. Yeah. I just hope they don't blame him for if anything bad happens this off season, because with a pending contract over it, do you think he's going to go nuts on the free agent market and spend a ton of money and end up like Dave Dabrowski? <laughs> you know, it doesn't match up. I would think they're going to, that Rogers, if they want, if they're interested in him doing his job, they need to at least get him on point with Ross Atkins and have them equally invested for the next couple seasons. I completely agree, Craig. It's, uh, it's going to be fascinating as the details emerge. Some more stuff gets uncovered in this somewhat trending saga about Marsha Pyro and his contract. We will definitely bring that to you on Jaybird Watching. But we have baseball still going on. No baseball tonight due to rain in Aww. New York State, in New York City. Uh, indeed, I was looking forward to watching that game. <laughs> but we have our first entrant into the World Series. The Washington Nationals disposed of the St. Louis Cardinals in a four-game sweep, Craig. 2-0, 3-1, 8-1, and 7-4 were the scores of that series for the Washington Nationals. And Daniel Hudson, of all people, has been closing games for the Washington Nationals this postseason. He's been fantastic for them. Are you surprised that the Nationals made such quick work of the Cardinals and ended up beating the Dodgers? But also, I love Bryce Harper, but at the same time, I can't help but kind of <laughs> laugh that... I'm just Nelsoning from Simpsons right now, 110%. I I think, I can't remember if it was a conversation that you, me, and Corsair had, or if it was me and him alone, but I remember us having a conversation saying that, do you think that the Washington Nationals are actually a worse team without Bryce Harper? And both of us kind of agreed that, no, because they have more freedom to do what the hell they want at this point. And obviously, Anthony Rendon has been a bajillion times better than I ever imagined he would be. And he's really become the Bryce Harper in that lineup. Completely fearsome. 
and the fact that you're still getting you know good at bats from seasoned veterans like Ryan Zimmerman and everybody else in that lineup, it has been a pleasure to watch the Washington Nationals, Montreal Expos, do very very well this pot postseason. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, it is definitely fun seeing the Nationals in the World Series just for that Expos connection. So, Canada, you kind of very indirectly have a team to cheer for in the World Series, being the Washington Nationals, the former Montreal Expos. They have to wait out their opponent. Rain out tonight between the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees and ALCS. The Astros are currently up two games to one with a 3-2 win on Sunday and a 4-1 win yesterday at Yankee Stadium. The Yankees took game one seven nothing in Houston on Saturday night. Greg, who ultimately ends up winning this game or this series between the Astros and the Yankees because this rainout really, really helps the Houston Astros. They can now pitch Justin Verlander and Zach Greinke on normal rest. And they only need two more wins to go to the World Series. Yeah, it's gonna be the Yankees or on yeah, the flip sure. side of that, though, you're also giving the Yankees a chance to get a rest where they can actually put Tanaka or somebody back in the on that. Where if they played tonight, the, Yan- the Yankees were done. I really think there was no way in hell their pitching was going to sustain with how bad their bullpen's been beaten up the last few nights, how they were going to be able to not... They, they can't get a starting pitcher past the f- fourth or fifth inning. And it's not because the Houston Astros are decimated. They're just bleeding pitches out of these guys. And I just... It would have been hard for me to believe that now with this day rest that you're hoping that one of these guys, or at least the Yankee bullpen, is going to be rested. And other than Adam Adovino doing horrible, that bullpen's been pretty damn solid. It's going to be interesting to see what the Yankees do. As you mentioned, in terms of getting Tanaka for Game 4 on full day's rest, they are now able to do that. But their bullpen will also get a rest, and that really is the strength of this New York Yankees team. There is a few former Blue Jays in this series. I don't even really want to go in depth on Roberto Osuna, but he's had himself a nice little postseason so far with a 1.690 ERA. That's all we'll say on Roberto Osuna. Giovanni Urshela, of all people, has hit a home run in the playoffs. <laughs> Edwin Encarnacion has struggled to a 200 average with no home runs and two RBI, and Jay Happ gave up a walk-off shot to Carlos Correa on Sunday. Hasn't exactly been a good showing for former Toronto Blue Jays, has it? Not in that series. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the thing that made me hurt the most was the fact that I saw Yankee fans with parrots in the stands while watching the ball game yesterday, and I was like, ah, you know, it really grinds my gears. <laughs> yeah, The fact that. that they think that's their thing. <laughs> It's like, no, you guys missed the whole 2015 playoffs because your team wasn't even ready to start competing yet. And that was yes. our thing. <laughs> Stop stealing our culture. Stop stealing our players. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's, uh, I do hope, I will say, and I told this to a few people, and I believe I told Bobby as well, uh, I do hope the Yankees go to the World Series and win it because seeing Edwin and Jay Happ both get rings, don't really care about Rochelle getting a ring. He didn't do anything here. But seeing both of those guys get rings, even though it would be with the Yankees, it would definitely be a nice way for those guys to come towards the end of their careers as they wind down and get another year older going into 2020. But ultimately, is it is it going to be the Houston Astros or the New York Yankees, you think, that will advance to the World Series by the time we record again next week? By the time we record again, I have a strange feeling that Justin Verlander is going to have a win. 
<laughs> and then the Yankees are going to just have trouble in that next game. And I just do not see the Yankees getting over that pitching of the Houston Astros. When you got Garrett Cole giving basically their, the rest of their team a day off <laughs> and hearing Joe Buck go, oh, my God, Jose Altuve always finds a way to con- contribute was freaking me out during the game. I, don't, I, I, I swear to God, in a 10-minute period, I heard him say that 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that tweet yesterday. I love Joe Buck, but I can agree sometimes he goes a little too much. <laughs> it's like okay, if we get it. Then the, then the needle on the Joe Buck record is skipping. Can you please just move to the next song? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he tends to stay on certain players for far too long. Aaron Rodgers is a prime example of that. <laughs> yes, he cannot yes. stop talking about Aaron Rodgers whenever he does a Green Bay Packers. And sometimes game. even during baseball. But you're called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you're calling it Houston and Washington World Series. You know what? If the Yankees do not win tomorrow night, they are done. There's no way that they will come back from a three games to one deficit again. In Houston. The Houston Astros pitching. In Houston as well. You are correct on that matter. It's uh, Stranger things have happened, as we've seen, and stranger things have happened when the New York Yankees have been involved in an ALCS. Uh, 2004. <laughs> yeah. So, and unless this know. series wraps up quickly, I don't think the Washington Nationals' momentum continues as ridiculous as it is right now. Although, they I, have the wild card winning thing in their pocket. <laughs> that's right. The wild card winners get into the World Series, but I do agree with that as well. The longer the Washington Nationals sit, the less chances I see of them taking their momentum from the NLCS onto the ALCS. But who knows? I think a lot of people may be hoping for a Yankees Nationals World Series. It just seems like a better ring to it than Astros Nationals. But who knows? It's going to be a fun World Series regardless of who it is. We should know next week by the time we record. Maybe not, but we should know exactly what a World Series matchups will be. It could be the Houston Astros and the Washington Nationals or the New York Yankees and the Washington Nationals. But, Craig, before we wrap things up tonight, any final thoughts on anything that we've discussed Anything we haven't discussed that you want to bring up? Or maybe you have another tease like I did last week for next week's episode. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I I honestly, sir, am impressed we dragged it out for as long as we have. <laughs> so, <laughs> completely honest. Yeah, we're <laughs> winning out on this one, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I fully expected to go no longer than about half an hour, maybe 35 minutes at most. But we've made it much closer our normal episode length without much Blue Jays related things to talk about. Yeah. I so, do have one final word though. Happy bat flip anniversary. <laughs> What's that? Happy bat flip anniversary. <laughs> yes, that is true. That is very, very true. That happened on Monday, I believe it was the fourteenth yes. was the anniversary of Jose Bautista's bat flip. Which was honestly one of the best moments in recent memory. Oh, we'll Toronto talk Jays about all that all off season. We got all sorts of <laughs> countdown ideas for fun this off season with fun guests. So don't tease too much, Brendan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we won't tease too much. We will keep you all on your toes as off season continues to roll along and the World Series gets going next week. Craig, until then, let's wrap things up with a "Let's Go Blue Jays." Let's go Blue Jays. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.